Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. And uh, I want to do what the Lord has laid upon my heart this morning. How many will help me for just a little while? Oh, man, I better ask again because that was awful weak. How many will help me here this morning? Praise God. Praise God. At least the church say amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, Yet now henceforth know we him no more. There if any man be in Christ, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. I love this scripture. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. I want you to look at verse 21 again, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Praise the Lord. Now I want to use a a subject title here as I preach this morning that I know has been used in other scenarios. In fact, as I was doing a little research on this, I found that there was uh, book titles and there was even a film title, I guess, that has been... I know nothing about the film, just so we're clear here this morning, that this title uses. But I want to use this to convey what uh, is on my heart today. I want to talk to you about behind enemy lines. Behind enemy lines. Praise God. Let's lift up our voices to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords here this morning. And let's pray together. Jesus, I'm asking you to move, to minister, to work in this house. I'm praying, God, that you would save souls in this place, that you would give hope, 
give help, give strength, give encouragement, give blessing to people that are gathered here this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint us, every one, as we endeavor to do your work. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. And would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him thanks one more time. Come on, everybody, let's lift up our voice to him. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. On June the 2nd, 1995, the United States Air Force Captain Scott O'Grady, while piloting a F-16 over Bosnian no-fly zone, was shot down by Serb forces. His plane crashed in hostile enemy territory, And for six long days, Captain O'Grady lived his life on the run. He was seeking to escape and to evade enemy capture. And in his biography entitled Return with Honor, he details these events and what it was like to live for six days behind enemy lines. He recounts his feelings of loneliness and terror. He chronicles his day-to-day fears of living like a wild animal out in the wilderness because he knew that if he were discovered, not only would he be tortured, but he knew their custom, they would publicly execute him. He describes living each of these days looking over his shoulder He realized that the United States could not risk war just to save one individual, one man. Captain O'Grady said that he literally felt like a dead man walking. But unbeknownst to Captain O'Grady, there was a special Marine unit that was launched called TRAP, Tactical Recovery of Aircraft and Personnel. And these Marines had been highly trained to go behind enemy lines. And one of the fascinating things that I learned about this is that they would actually put on the uniform of the enemy. They slipped behind enemy lines. They searched and they found Captain O'Grady. They delivered him from hostile territory and brought him back to freedom. These Marines were trained to go behind enemy lines and to save someone who was utterly incapable of saving themselves. If you can understand this story, can I tell you that Captain O'Grady's story is not unique? In fact, it is not unlike ours here today. But this story is the story of redemption. It is our story. It is how the Lord saved us. Because the truth is, everyone here has found themselves at one point or another behind enemy lines in enemy territory. Let me say it like the Apostle Paul said it in Romans chapter 23 and verse 23. For all have sinned. Everybody say all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all been at one point or another held captive by sin. 
We've all been in the clutches and in the hold of sin. Oh, I know that we're dressed in our Easter finest this morning, and I know you got your church on today, but all of us know what it's like to be on the wrong side of the line that divides sin from righteousness. The prophet Isaiah said in 53 and 6, All we, that is inclusive, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. In other words, we've wandered off. We've drifted off. We have unintentionally delved into things that we didn't realize the consequences of those things. Everybody here has been behind enemy lines. A place and in a condition where you could not save yourself. Is anybody identifying with me today? Is anybody understand what I'm talking about. Paul explains the salvation process and how it takes place in our text. He said in verse 19, to wit God was in Christ. God himself put on the uniform of a man and came down into the midst of hostile enemy territory. St. John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Skip on down to verse 14 and it says, And the Word, the same Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. He put on humanity's uniform. And it was a search and rescue. It was a salvation mission that He embarked upon for you and I. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You say, I I found God in 19 whatever. or I found God recently. But really, that's an incorrect statement. You've got it backward. But according to the Scripture, the Bible said He found me. He came to seek. And to say that which was lost. We felt like Scott O'Grady. Like a dead man walking. Oh, it, it didn't start out like that. that that's, how, that's how it ended up. And that's where we got to. But it didn't begin that way. Because sin is so deceitful. It's so alluring at first. Sin in chapter 1 is mighty appealing. But you better read the rest of the book. You better read the conclusion in the last chapter of the book because James tells us that sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. When it's finished its work in your life, then it brings death. Sin looks so good on the menu. I don't know if you've ever had the occasion of going to a restaurant and and looking, and maybe you've never been there before, and and uh, you look and maybe you come and real appetite and you're desirous to have a nice meal. And naturally, they, they have all of those beautiful pictures in, in the menu of the food. And I mean, they've got them garnished just right and everything's just perfect. And the right amount of gravy is on the mashed potatoes and the, and the chicken fried steak. Somebody right now salivating. And... Uh, and, and I mean, it's just all, the, everything's perfect. I mean, the vegetables are bright and colorful. And, and uh, 
I mean, everything's the right portion. And then you order it based on what you saw in the picture. And when you get it, you're mighty disappointed when you look down and you see that that T-bone steak that you saw in the picture that was hanging off the edges of the plate wasn't hardly enough to feed a bird. And uh, you looked and you, you saw that it, it was just a little bit short of what the picture... I'm going to tell you sin is never what it looks like on the menu. I said sin is never what it appears to be when the devil presents it to you. Sort of like these advertisements on the radio or in the newspaper with the uh, prescriptions, these wonder drugs, that if you take this, you'll be in a good mood all the time. Uh, That should be enough sign right there to let you know something's up. But if you take this... Everything will be perfect. But you better hold on for the side effects. You better read the fine print down there. You better listen to that man that, you know, they speed his voice up ten times when it gets to all the side effects that they read at the end. You can't even understand him. Sounds like he's speaking in tongues when when he begins to read off all the side effects. Chronic headaches. Could cause nausea. Restless leg syndrome. Don't take if you have high blood pressure. Don't take if you have low blood pressure. Don't take if you're diabetic. Consult your doctor about this medicine. And sin side effects is something that you better read into before you partake of sin. There's certainly going to be the loss of joy. There will be sleepless nights. There will be guilt and there will be shame and there's fears and there's brokenness. And you come to realize like Scott O'Grady, I can't save myself. I can't change myself. I can't cover my own issues. I can't overcome my own problems. I can't outrun my faults and failures. I can't medicate my fears. There's not 12 steps out of sin You can't work hard enough to hide from sin. You can't earn enough to pay for sin. The cost is too high. No, at the end of the day, you've got to deal with sin or sin will deal with you. If you believe that, you ought to clap your hands this morning. So we can all identify with the Apostle Paul who wrote in Romans chapter 7 and verse 24, Oh, oh, when you see that in Scripture, a lot of times it's in uh, it's exaggerating or it's in exuberance or enthusiasm. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. But in this case, it's anguish and it's despair that you sense in this word, oh, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of death? And then later he answers his own question. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The devil has told you perhaps that you can overcome. The devil's tried to tell you that you cannot get over it, that you can't be free, that you can't conquer it, that you can't beat it, that you can't win, that you can't uh, uh, ever be victorious, uh, that you'll always be defeated. But the next time he says that, 
you should say, you know what, devil? You're exactly right. Agree with your adversary while he's in the way. But, devil, I want you to understand something. I thank God through Jesus Christ. It's not up to me. I can't do it in myself. I can't break the addiction on my own. I can't overcome my constant failures and shortcomings by myself. I've never been able to conquer sin in the flesh. But thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because He died, because He was buried, and because He rose again, I can. Oh, that ought to make somebody want to shout a little bit here this morning. That ought to make somebody want to rejoice a little bit here this morning. Philippians chapter number 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Somebody said victories come in cans. Amen. Well, I believe that victory comes when we depend upon Jesus Christ and we trust in Him and place our faith in Him. Verse 21 of our text says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we may be made the righteousness of God. I wasn't able to achieve that on my own. In other words, we were in a mess, but he was not ashamed to put on the uniform of human flesh and come down and save us. My eldest son's here today. I remember many years ago, um, we were in Hawaii, and my dad had met us on his lunch hour at a park called Alamoana Park, which is... Some of you that have been there, you've probably visited Alamoana Park. And there's some big, big, beautiful lagoons there that people swim in that are kind of up and calm. There's no uh, ripples or waves. There's no currents. It's a safe place. But it is deep. And uh, uh, my wife and I had wandered off, and, and my, my dad was watching uh, Christopher and, and uh, standing there on the Shore, and of course he was in his uh, uniform for work, and and, uh, and and so he he naturally didn't want to go swimming, but Christopher did, and he got out on the bodyboard, and there was just a little breeze blowing, brother Larman, and and it caught that bodyboard, and uh, there for a while my dad had had a hold of the leash of the bodyboard, and he let it go and thought it was safe, but. Pretty soon he, he drifted out, and I'm telling you, it was pretty deep. And he got out there, and when we come back from our walk, I noticed that my dad had all of his belongings out on the picnic table, had everything in his wallet, all the cards, all the money laid out there individually, and, uh, and uh, he was wringing wet. And he said, uh, uh, well, he said, we had a little mishap while you was gone. He said, while you guys was out enjoying yourselves, he said he drifted out there in that deep water, and I knew he couldn't swim and didn't have a life jacket on, and if he fell off that board, it was going to be bad. And he said he got to hollering for help, and he said, I knew that I wasn't dressed for the occasion necessarily, and I know i got to go back to work, but uh, I, I had to save him. So he jumped into the water, and uh, was able to lead him back safely to the shore. 
As I began to think about that in preparation for this message, I thought about you and I. We just kept drifting further and further out. We kept getting in danger as every day went by. But aren't you thankful that we didn't have a Savior sitting on the sidelines, wringing his hands and saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I can help them. I don't know if there's anything I can do to rescue them. But he said, a need be, I'll get in the situation with them. I'll get in the struggle with them. I'm going to tell you, you're not alone. Amen. But the Bible says we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, I'll put on the uniform. I'll get down in the mess you're in. And I'll come out of it unscathed. I'll bring you out and rescue you and restore you and save your soul. If you're thankful for the salvation of the Lord, you ought to lift up your voice and give Him praise right now. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody really give Him some praise. Somebody really lift Him up right now. Praise God. Praise God. He that knew no sin became sin. He drank that cup in the garden. Took upon Him the sins of the world. He that was so innocent, he that was so pure, he that was undefiled, let the burden of sin rest upon him so that it could be nailed to a cross. Amen. Some years ago in 1995, we came to Texas uh, to preach some revivals and uh, started right out in the Lufkin area there. And and, and, uh, we pulled our trailer from, from one church there in Lufkin down south and and uh, when we got to the place brother Stephen Hill was pastoring the church there in uh, that rural area that rural community and uh, he had a place there on the parking lot that he told me he said I'll tell you what I'll meet you there and uh, he said we'll set the trailer up and then I'll show you around and show you where the offices are and show you uh, you know, and give you a key and show you where you can study and pray and whatnot for the revival. And so I uh, pulled the trailer in. He helped me back in, got it all uh, together. And, and if you know Stephen Healer, have you ever met him? Uh, he's a very persnickety type person. That'd be putting it mightily. Uh, he dresses real refined, and, and uh, I've never seen him with his hair out of place. And uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen him in a pair of blue jeans. And so he just, uh, just kind of, you know, the pastor personified, if I could say it that way. And so he, he gets it all in there, and, I, and I'm working, and I'm hooking everything up. And we, we hook the hose up and cut the water on. And then he said, let me, let me show you inside. And so we got in there in the sanctuary, and we're talking. And he shows us the office. I don't know, probably an hour, hour and a half, maybe two went by, we're just visiting and catching up on things, hadn't seen each other in a long time. And when we come out, I noticed something, and my heart sank. Every evangelist nightmare, I've seen water running out of every open area of that trailer. I mean, it was just flooded out. Opened the door, it come gushing out. I said, oh, Lord. Ran, cut the water off, but all I could think about is it's probably destroyed everything. He said, I mean, you know, Mr. Persnickety himself is standing there. I'm thinking, you know, this guy isn't going to be much help. 
there's nothing much he can do about this. I'm going to have to do this by myself. I'm thinking I'm going to have to rip out all the carpet, lay all the carpet back. going to have to do everything, get it all cleaned up. We're flooded out. It's a bad deal. He said, hold on just a minute. He said, I, I, got, I got the fix. I said, really? And you could see I was not very excited. I didn't have much confidence that he had the fix because, I mean, he just looked like Mr. Clean. You know, just standing there. He, he's never even known what it's like to get his tie out of place, much less know anything about getting water and flood out of a trailer and, and taking care of all of that. He said, hang on just a minute. Let me go home. He said, I'll come back. He said, I'm going to put on some work clothes, and I'm going to come back. And when he came back, he came with his truck loaded up with a shop vac, and he got in there with his work clothes on, and he cleaned up and did better than I could. I was so devastated. I, 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 was, I was just out of it. He got in there. He cleaned it all up, took care of things, and helped me out. And we was able to get back on the road and able to get things fixed up and restored. And it was no problem whatsoever. I'm going to tell you, amen, when we get in a fix, when we get in a mess that we don't know how to take care of, aren't you thankful that we know a God in heaven that is able to put on work clothes? He's willing to get down in the nitty-gritty, as it were. He that knew no sin, the Bible said he became sin for you and I so that he could get us out of this mess that we're in. He put on work clothes. He said, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to take your stains. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid, amen, to get the dirt of the world on me. I, I'm not afraid to get down where the rubber meets the road to try to help you and redeem you and save you. I'll do whatever's necessary. I'm going to tell you, he's not a distant inaccessible God but he's a God that is in this room right here this morning and if we'll call upon him if we'll reach out to him if we'll pray to him if we'll seek him amen if we'll get hungry for him he's able to touch you he's able to bless he's able to strengthen he is able to break chains he is able to make clean he's able to make whole would you stand with me right now? Let's lift up our hands to the Savior today. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful that He's able to save us? Bible tells us about some lepers. In the scripture, one in particular, the Bible says that he came and approached the Lord and he said, "Wilt thou wilt thou make me whole? I've heard you're a healer." Now, really, for us to get our mind around this, we need to understand just how dreaded leprosy was. We need to understand just how terrible it was to be diagnosed with leprosy in that day. It was incurable. It was a death wish, a sentence. It was, it was the end. And this man knew without Jesus' help, he was going to die with this plague of leprosy. Wilt thou 
make me whole. I'm sure he was careful because leprosy was such a contagious disease and it was considered a very filthy disease because ulcerated places would break out on the body and it was horrible to watch somebody that was perishing with leprosy. It was humiliating for them. It would destroy their appearance and, uh, and just make them very abased as a person. It was humiliating. And there's so many parallels with leprosy and sin. And the Bible says that Jesus, when this man asked him, did not hesitate. He said, I will. And then he done the unthinkable. And the Bible said he touched him. Not only was it not lawful for a leprosy, to, a leprous person to touch a, a clean person, but there was laws keeping them quarantined and separated and all those kinds of things. But also a high priest. A high priest was considered, you know, uh, uh, upper echelon. You know what I'm saying? And he was our high priest. And the Bible says that he touched him. Praise the Lord. Because you understand that we're talking about God in flesh here. And whatever touched him did not affect him. But whatever he touched affected whatever he come in contact with. Praise the Lord. So by that leprosy and that leprous person touching him, it didn't make him unclean. But by that leprous person being touched by him, it made him clean. Praise God. And that's the way it is when you come to an altar and you repent of your sins and you say, God, I, I, I need you. Amen. That's where it all starts. That's where he reaches down and begins to touch you. I'm going to, I'm going to tell somebody here today, that's what you need. You need the power of God through the Holy Ghost to touch your life. You need to be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. You need an opportunity to come to the foot of the cross. So, well, I've tried this and I've tried that and I've tried this over here and I've experienced this and thus I'm asking you to try Jesus this morning. Matter of fact, I'm challenging you. Maybe you say, well, I've tried before. I'm challenging you to try again because he can be touched this morning. As we begin to sing and they, we're going to open these altars, I, I would to God that everybody that's thankful for the cross, thankful for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I wonder if you couldn't come as close as you can. I know we're crowded here today, but uh, I wonder if we couldn't just come as close as we can or step out in the aisle and raise your hands and say, God, I need you. I need your touch today again. I desire your help yet again today. Hallelujah.